Welcome to the Energetic Radio Podcast. My name is Dale Sidebottom. Each week, I'll bring you inspirational guests who will help you bring fun, energy, and purpose into your lives. Let the show begin. Welcome to episode number 186 of the podcast with Richard Coleman. Now, the dream roller himself. If you are looking for some serious motivation and some get off your chair and get stuff done, then I tell you what, this episode is going to blow your mind. If you think I've got energy, Richard absolutely blows me out of the wall. And um, a little bit of a backstory on the great man. He has got numerous medals around the world. Uh, he was born in 1984 with spina bifida, but I tell you what, he has not let that slow him down once. That's traveling around the world, um, going down death road in Bolivia, only person to ever do it in a wheelchair. So he's done that many crazy things. And the one thing I love about today is that Richard is not only a world-class athlete, but he's a mentor. He's a really, really high demand public speaker, working with corporates and everyone like that. And I think every now and then you need to hear someone like Richard speaking and, and just really think there are no limitations, there are no boundaries. Set those goals so high that you can achieve anything. And if I take anything from that today, that is exactly what Rich has given me. So guys, sit back. This is episode number 186 with the Dream Roller. All right, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Very excited. Richard Coleman, how are you, buddy? I'm great. How are you? Good, mate. Now, you're in Geelong. Are you a cat supporter? That's the one thing I want to know. I am. I'm a very tragic cats man. And uh, it wasn't a great start to the season for us. So I'm glad <laughs> the that one game been for quite a while. <laughs> now, also, mate, you uh, a goal umpire. Do you want to talk us through that? We'll get to all the other things in your story. But that's one thing I really liked. Uh, first ever wheelchair goal umpire. Yeah, I uh, had the opportunity to get involved in the local league down here in Geelong and actually got involved and umpired a few of the different games around here and uh, after senior level. And uh, I got involved because my athletics coach at the time uh, was their fitness coach for the umpires in the, in the Geelong league. So um, I was always coming past, coming say hi to them after the, I was training and, and passed and got to know a few of the umpires and the head bosses and a few and they're like, why don't you get involved? And get involved as a umpire and I went, yeah, that takes more effort and more fitness and more, more <laughs> incident for me. And I'm like, I'm already training like two or three times a day. I don't need to train again, then umpire for two hours on a weekend. And I was like, nah, that's too much effort. And he goes, oh, give me boundary. That's pretty easy. Like you can run up and down a boundary and throw the ball in. I, oh yeah, that sounds good. And I was, he goes, oh, what about go umpire? You're pretty critical off the mark and you're good at decision making. And, uh, I mean, yeah, that sounds pretty good. So got involved in the goal umpiring and uh, had to learn the ways and we had to get approval because of the wheelchair and stuff like that. So that took a little while to get around all the OHMS and all the approval strategies there. But everyone was so supportive and inclusive there that I was like, they were pushing it more than me. So I was like, well, you kind of have to do it now. And it kind of turned <laughs> out bigger than I ever thought it would be. And uh, I was pretty lucky to umpire a few of the local leagues and, I actually, at the time, this is about 10, 15 years ago now when I got involved and I actually enjoyed it because I was actually able to see a few of the mates play who I'd never seen play in any game ever. So it was probably a good opportunity to see them play and they'll tell you like, oh yeah, I kicked 10 straight on the weekend. You're like, you go and umpire them and you're like, that was out of the full. 
That wasn't even straight. <laughs> directly in front. And so you can really stir the boys and really have a good time with your best mates who they think they're the greatest full forward ever. And yeah, they dropped the easiest mark going straight into him and got on the one eye out. And um, yeah, I had a great fun with it. And it's actually led into some really good opportunities now. And Geelong is now really inclusive there. They have a full game where it's fully umpired by full everyone with, with a disability. So everyone on the umpiring panel across all the different umpires has a disability, which is really great for inclusion and getting more people who love AFL involved in the sport. And uh, not everyone wants to play AFL. It's, it's great to be able to be involved and, and have the opportunity to be fit and healthy and, and get active. And that's what it's about. And I'm really great to see that we've got quite a few more people with disability involved and in all levels. And it's not just the elite high performance. It's, just getting out there and being involved at any level. Yeah, and I absolutely love that. And I know um, my sister's boyfriend uh, is is involved with the Geelong Dragons. Um, and I think as the Barwon region, um, for people listening all around the world, this is in country Victoria in Australia. Um, and AFL, it's the greatest game in the world. But um, I think as far as the region's going, particularly having that TV show of the Dragons on, you know, Foxtel and... Um, I just think the whole area is doing so well with inclusion. It, do, you, do you feel that they're a bit of ahead of the game than everywhere else? Yeah, that's what's so good about Geelong and where we live. And we've always been ahead of the game and always in front and pushing the boundaries of what's possible. It's never about, oh, this is too hard or this is not great or this is uh, too dangerous for people with disability. It's always, yeah, let's make this work. We can do this. We have to do it. Um, and why are we not? It's always, hang on, we're not doing this why are we not? And that's what I want to make people understand is going, if you've got people with disability not being involved, why are they not involved? And why are you making it too hard for them to be involved? And that's the thing we've got to get around is it's not too hard to include people with disability. And that's why I love Geelong and where we have been over the last few years. We've come a long way. We've still got a long way to go and we still got barriers to inclusion. And I want to put these barriers down and make it fully inclusive to all people just to participate in anything they want. Um, we've got to change barriers and change perceptions and more so it's not about uh, people with disability are inspirational. They're not inspirational for playing AFL or having a kick in the backyard. It's everyone wants to be included in AFL and have a good, have fun and play the sport they love. And that's what we're trying to get out and get people involved. Uh, I don't want to be seen as, inspirational for having a disability or being that person in a wheelchair. It's about being an inspiration for pushing the boundaries of what's possible or doing things that, that are different to what everyone thinks is possible. And that's what I want to get out to everyone is everyone can achieve success. It's about achieving your own success. It's not achieving other people's success and believing in yourself because your goals are your goals. It's not other people's goals. And you've got to truly believe in your goals to achieve success long-term. Yes, there's going to be barriers. Yes, there's harder things around. But if you truly believe in that goal, it can happen. Yes, there was challenges to becoming a goal umpire and it was a bit harder and, yeah, with a little bit of work. But I managed to do that and show that it was possible. And that's what it's about is showing that, hey, yes, a person in a wheelchair can do it. And um, hopefully one day get other people in wheelchairs out there getting involved in other activities which they thought hey oh, i can't do that because i'm in a wheelchair or i can't do this or someone around and said you can't do that because you're in a wheelchair and that's 
the biggest barrier I see is other people's perceptions. And so if someone said, hey, you can't do that because you're in a wheelchair, first thing I'm going to do is go, right, I'm going to do it. I'll prove you wrong. And that's where most of my goals have been. And I've got some goals on my list at the moment that are like, what is this? But uh, yeah, I'm going to work pretty hard to achieve some of these things. And if anyone out there has got some crazy goals they want to get involved with, then hey, I'll be happy to get involved with some crazy activities. People suggested we do some uh, some random fundraising activities, and yeah, I'm willing to give a, get involved in anything you guys want. And so I think we can do some wonderful things. Yes, they're going to be hard, and that's the thing about goals; they've got to be hard. And and they've got to be worth it and meaningful to you. And I think a lot of people set goals and they don't truly believe in them because they're just a goal and they go, oh yeah, I'd like to do this one day, but they don't actually truly believe in it that it's possible, but also they don't take this first steps to achieving that goal. And I'm writing down goals. I've been doing this actually the last few weeks. Now we've been locked down here. I've been writing down the goals writing down the steps that I need to take to achieve that and writing down some of the, the obstacles that will get be in my way to achieve that goal. And what am I going to do about the obstacle to make it into an opportunity so I can achieve that goal and turn into a, an out positive outcome and not let it be a barrier and stop me from achieving the goal. So uh, I said that for all my people I'm mentoring and, and people I'm helping is what is your goal? Is it measurable? Okay. As you go, a lot of people go, oh, I want to be rich and famous one day. But it's not actually measurable. measurable. <laughs> You've got to say, right, if it goes right, I want to increase my wage. Yeah, that's great. But you want to say how much I want to increase my wage by. And that's more measurable. Is go, right, I want to earn $100,000 this year. Right, that's measurable because it it's, has a, a figure and it's got an end date. And that's where it's most important is by when. And then also then what are you going to do about it? What are the three steps you're going to do to, achieve that and what are the barriers going to that are going to stop you from achieving that yes one of them at the moment might be uh no job or loss of job but you've got to find three opportunities to overcome that loss of job to achieve the goal so that's basically why i believe in success um i'm pushing the boundaries of possibilities so it's mate you're pushing it you're pushing a big time rich and and i think that's evident mate when like it's taken me so long to get you on this podcast. And the reason being you were so busy and people are listening going, wow, I've got the motivation. Not many people speak as fast as me, which is just crazy, but you're taking that to another level. And I love that. And I think that is evident with what you've got on and um, just doing research about how many medals you've won, mate, you must have two houses, one to keep all your medals and trophies in and the other one to live. Surely, mate, you have got that many bits of silverware. Yeah, I've been pretty lucky that I've been involved in sport for such a long time. Like I was thinking now it's coming up to 25 years of being a, an athlete in wheelchair racing. So I've been pretty lucky that I and had the opportunity to do what I do and, and I had success along the way. And yeah, it's thinking a long time ago that I had the first success and uh, I've been very lucky to win two Premier gold medals over the 800 and world champs and a few other things along the way. And uh, I've set targets along the way and I've been very lucky to achieve some of them but some of the other goals like along the way that I'm still working towards is like a world record yeah I've one of the crazy stats I know that I finished second or third and been under the world record 15 times yet never once held a world record for all the success I've had I've never been it never won it I finished second I remember finishing second in a race the guy was in front of me by 0.0 
one of a second. He had the world record. <laughs> I went under the world record. I got he nothing. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, and those are the tough times that make you go, right, there's things to happen and I'm trying to work towards those goals and uh, longer-term success. And, yeah, those are crazy hard goals. And I, uh, I've got some other goals I'm working towards at the moment. And, like, I've now stepped up to more distance than marathon. So I'm enjoying the marathon because it's – put you in the hurt locker and you blow up and the wheelchair boys, we do the same marathon course as their runners. And uh, yeah, it's pretty brutal at the moment. And then I think, I think it was London marathon the other year. I saw 180 heart rate and above for the first eight kilometers in the lead group. And I was just going, God, everyone was looking around just puffing and sweating. And, and you could tell everyone was in the same hurt locker. And yeah, I, I'm glad we uh, turned into a surgical race after that. And, it was pretty brutal race and I've been at races where, yeah, you see pretty tough races. And I think it was in Rio, uh, Kurt Fernley came back to the, I was sharing with Kurt Fernley in Rio and after the 5,000 meter heat, he came back and showed me his gum and he hit 219 in the, in the heat of the, the 5k. And uh, I was like, was that really necessary? Like, cause that's pretty high. And that's crazy. Yeah, it was needed. So, um, yeah, so you push your bodies as much as you need to. And I've pushed the body to the breaking point over the years and everyone does as elite athletes. And it's about knowing your body and pushing it as hard as you can. And I've set some crazy goals and I'm now setting goals in sport. And um, still haven't done a lot of them, but I'm setting goals in business and, and travel and life and doing some crazy things around the world and go, right, yeah, I'd like to do that. So I've added that to the the to-do lists and going, right, how am I going to do it? Mm, I don't know, but uh, I'll work on it. And that's the thing about goal setting and achieving success is you got to work out how you're going to achieve it. And that's the best thing about it. Mate, uh, Rich, I love it, mate. And I'm, I believe in that big time as well. If you're not setting big goals and challenging yourself, you're sitting on the fence and you're picking splinters, to be honest. So let's talk about that marathon when you said you started at 180 beats, Ryan. What, how do you, what goes through your head? Because I could imagine the pain you're going through. What goes through your head in a marathon? Like, I, I've only done a half marathon. I absolutely hated it. And I don't think I'd ever do it again. Here you are doing multiple events. What, what do you think about? How do you zone out? Yeah, I don't know. You just got to you gotta be prepared to hurt. That's the main thing about it. And that's with all uh, sport and any endurance challenges. You got to embrace the pain because if you're not willing to hurt, it's going to be a long, horrible day at the office. And I've had some really horrible days at the office where I'm just like, it's not going to be fun. And like, you just got to keep going. And I, I've been crook. I've been yeah, crook in marathons. I've been minus two in New York and it was 80 kilometer headwind the whole day. And I was like, it's minus two with a wind chill. And I'm like, what am I doing here? Like, and you start in New York going up a bridge that's one and a half kilometers long. And it's just like, we've been on the start line for an hour sitting in minus two weather and you've got to sprint from the start. And literally if you get dropped from the lead group, you're done. You're done. And that's the thing. Like, knowing halfway at the right up the bridge, my day was done and you just go, yep, this is going to be a long tourist push of New York after that. So I've been very lucky that I've been able to now do step up to the marathons. Um, I'm actually enjoying the, the learning of it, learning the body, learning how to tactically be better at the marathons. I've had such success over the 800 because I was tactically really good and knew how it was unfolding before it happened. 
And now I've got to learn that in the marathon and you've pretty much got to not sprint the first hundred meters. That's the key. But with the wheelchair boys, because wheelchair racing now has gone so professional where 20 years ago, there was, you could break away and have wins. Now we've got so many good guys from so many countries as you turn up and you've got hundred guys from almost a hundred countries now who are elite guys and anyone can win. And in that race we're talking about is London marathon. We had 40 guys in the lead pack and anyone in that can win. And you're looking around and these are the best boys from the world and you're going down and everyone is there and possible to win it. And you just got to be lucky on the day. You've got to have the racing gods be on your side because it's, Sometimes you just got to be lucky and go win those races. And other days, no matter what happens, you just try again next year. And uh, that's what pushes you to be better. And um, it's such a good opportunity to be involved in such of these elite races now around the world because Paralympic sport now has developed into such high performance that you've got to be high performance or else you're not even in that top 40 anymore. And there's some high level boys that are just, it's crazy now. Like I was in a race in Japan in November and we had 300 on the start line and I was looking around just going, this is going to be nuts from the start. And yeah, I, I was seeing world record pace within a hundred meters and you're like, this is not great at the start of a marathon. <laughs> <laughs> Got to try and keep that up. So obviously when the game has been picked up so much and there's so much more professionalism going around, What's your training like? How has that changed since, you know, you've been doing this for 25 years? Obviously, and we had a good chat before we started this, Rich, but um, you've got a bit more time on your hands. You've even ramped your training up even more. What's a normal day look like for you, mate? Yeah, it's pretty crazy at the moment. Like, I don't know if today and at the moment is kind of a normal day um, because we've now got all this spare time. I'm not able to do the squad coaching. And now, um, so generally... Uh, in the past, it was three sessions a day, two to three sessions a day. Um, and the longest track session could be three hours. So um, generally in an in interval session could be about two hours. When I do intervals, we've got a wheelchair roller that's basically like a bike roller where you sit on the rollers and you spin and you train to heart rate and time. Uh, I've got the same setup for the wheelchair, for the racing chair. Um, I do intervals and you can do a two-hour set and that's, that, that hurts. And yeah, you, it's two hours on the same spot looking at your garage wall is I'm uh, going a bit insane, but uh, you've just got to know this for the, the long-term benefit. Um, generally I train at 5.36 AM. I train for an hour, hour and a half. Um, and then I go to work, I work full day and I coach in the evenings. And then I train, try and train if I can. Uh, in the evenings again, gym or circuit work again in the evenings. I do a lot more circuits now than I ever used to. When I was younger, I used to do just pure lifting. And that was like three sets of eight, three sets of six, three sets of four or whatever it was. Now it's uh, five rounds of 50 reps of five different exercises and so get it done endurance. as quick as you can. A lot, a lot more yeah. endurance, you know, where you got your heart rate really going. Yeah, I'd rather lift um, 50 kilos 100 times rather than 100 kilos once. And, yep. yeah, it's great to lift 100 kilos. But for me in the 800, it doesn't really beneficial for you, me for the long term. Um, so over the years, I've progressed into doing more endurance uh, 
longer burning kind of stuff. Um, and I found that it helped me a lot. I do generally, before London Paramix, I was away for six months before London Paramix, um, traveling, racing, sometimes training three to four times a day. Um, it was pretty nuts, um, but it was lucky that I managed to win London by 0.1 of a second. So six months by yourself is worth it for 0.1 of a second win. So it was generally worth it in the end. Um, I remember 2013, I stepped up to the marathons fully. I did nine marathons, 47 race days, um, and I think it was about 20 or 30 countries. So, um, yeah, <laughs> so, mate, that was the so big... rich, so many sacrifices, mate. And I suppose that, as you said, six months is all worth it for that one day. Like, and and do you ever think what you're missing out on? You're like the the feeling when you cross the line and you win that race. Like you just say, it it doesn't matter, mate. You're like, oh, I'll give anything up for that. And that feeling, I can't imagine what that'd be like. Yeah, and that's the thing. You've worked so many years for to have the opportunity of doing London Marathon, uh, London Paramix, and that was so good about London, where there there was full stadiums, eighty thousand stadium full every single day for the Paramix, and that's what was such an incredible experience. And I had so many friends from all over the world. I had friends who I'd met backpacking in these random countries. They came <laughs> over and and people all through London and people who had never seen me race or didn't even know that I was really an athlete came and watched and had that was such the best thing about it. I got to experience it with them and see London and, and enjoy that whole games experience. Um, yeah, I wouldn't put up for changing for anything. Like being able to travel the world as a lead athlete is such a great experience. But yeah, like there's times when like you fly to Korea and you, you get there one night, you do the marathon the next morning, you fly home that afternoon and you back up the next week somewhere else. And like, Everyone complains when the AFL complain when they do like a Perth and Melbourne, then they do <laughs> Brisbane. And I'm like, guys, it was a two hour flight to Brisbane. Like, and you played last week. Guys, I did a marathon in, in Seoul. Then you're doing the next week you're in Paris and you're backing up week in, week out of multiple continents, let alone time zones, races. And you just do what you have to. And, your body has to recover and you've got to force the recoveries and like there was ice bars and like when I won London marathon, everyone goes, Oh, that was the end of it. And for with me for the London Mar- uh, Paramics, for the London Paramics, I won on the, about the mid of the, the Thursday night, I think it was, or the Wednesday. And I still had the 200s to go and the relay. So I literally won London, saw the family, went back to the village and did my cool downs I had dinner and I was in the ice bath at 1am and I was on the massage table at 1am um, doing my recovery to get ready for the next day for, to be up again. And I was up the next day doing recovery again at 7am and, and that's what it was about. And no one saw that 1am kind of the pain of not being able to move at 1am, but it was such a good opportunity and you're like, I'm glad I did it. But uh, yeah, there is a lot of changes, but Everyone goes, oh, wouldn't you love to do other things? I went, all my friends have got mortgages. They've got two or three kids. they got a full-time job. they got debt. And I'm like, I'm in a different country every week. I get to <laughs> have fun. I get to race and enjoy this life and do what I, I love. And that's the greatest thing about it and help other people to achieve success and help them achieve their goals. And that's what it's about. And uh, yeah, I'm now not traveling as much and I'm really getting the travel bug at the moment being locked up and 
trying to see all the good places around the world that I want to go to and see these amazing places that I want to go and visit. And I've been very lucky that I've had a few off seasons where I've been able to travel and go to these random countries that are hard for anyone, let alone someone in a wheelchair. And you go, why did you go there? And you're like, well, why not? It was on the list to do and it was a cool country and they were amazing and they were really friendly and welcoming. And I loved going to that place and can't wait to go to the next country. <laughs> I absolutely love that. And, and I think that's one of the biggest barriers that the only barriers are ones you set on yourself. All right. And, and if you allow yourself to be labeled, then you are going to be labeled, aren't you? And do you find with, you know, all abilities and inclusion and things that a lot of the time it's because we say we can't do that because like you said, no one's ever gone on board before. No one's been to Bolivia because I know you went down the, the death road and things like that. And that's crazy. But those countries are not set up wheelchair, but who's to say, oh, I can't go there and do that. So do you feel a lot of the time we're our own worst enemies and particularly when it's all abilities, you know, that we say, no, we can't do that. Well, yeah, and it's. Uh, I feel that we've sometimes we've made such progress in disability in, in so many ways, but then we've gone backwards in so many others. And with the G eight countries, the developed countries, I find that we've putting more barriers on people with disability than we're giving opportunities, and we're having more trouble in these developed countries because we've got all these rules and policies, and we've got all this OHS, and you can't do that because you're in a wheelchair, you might get injured, and you're like. I might get injured. Okay, that's that's a barrier. But we're finding a lot of policies were created by per people without a disability who created this policy because they thought it was a good idea or they they needed a policy for this policy. And so you're like, well, yeah, it's great you've got a policy, but actually it's causing more damage than it is causing good. And you're putting more barriers on everyone and the whole community. And you're like, well, is it caught? doing what it's meant to do and you're like well yeah it's i created it and you're like well how like why and so many people go oh, I, I i learned this from university or i learned it from reading a textbook and you're like you learn about disability from your textbook <laughs> okay and like people pushing a wheelchair like so many people tell you like i learned how to push a wheelchair from reading a textbook and you're like you learn you can't you, learn did it you from, read a textbook mate <laughs> yeah <it's> like, <laughs> Hey, that's so cool and you like I remember one of the one of the a really important like person at the moment like she's played basketball for Australia wheelchair basketball for Australia she's got a doctorate now in OT so she's got a doctorate when she was going through the course she had to do a subject for it was cooking for people in wheelchairs she's in a wheelchair been in a wheelchair all her life 40 years could cook lives independently no problems she failed because the way she held the pan, well, the assessor said it was not safe. <laughs> and they told her she had to hold it this way. And she goes, well, if I hold it this way, I'm going to pour a whole pot of boiling water over me and burn myself. I've got to hold it this way. This is a safe way. And they went, no, it's wrong. Uh, you fail. And so uh, we're getting so that's many stories. So silly. Of and that's the thing we get as well. And, it's just common sense sometimes and go, well, we're getting a lot of these silly stories and going, really? Like that happened? Yeah, that actually happened. And we're getting so many of the stories that you go, why does this happen in this day and age? And I feel that some of my best travel moments have been through these developing countries. Like I've had the best time in Bolivia, in Cuba. I went to Cuba the other year for my off season. It was one of the most amazing places because 
everyone was so welcoming and so, yeah, they'll be fine. We can lift your wheelchair up a flight of stairs or down a hundred stairs. No problem. <laughs> In Australia, you can't even go down one step because it's too dangerous because you might fall out. Um, I've been down 10 flights of stairs nonstop in my wheelchair because the lift was broken, had to get out of the hotel. But you can do it and it's not dangerous if you do it in the right way. Yes, there is dangerous ways of doing things and there's silly things and you gotta be responsible and do it in the safe manner. But people shouldn't tell me, go, no, you can't go down this one step because you might get injured. Sometimes you've gotta take risks and take things into your control and determine what is okay for you? And yes, you might get injured. Yes, everyone gets injured that's in life. Learn, that's how we learn, isn't it? Like, let's be honest, you, if you're never going to try anything, you're never going to learn anything. You know, and if we, it's the same as a little kid. If we say, no, don't do that, you hurt yourself. Well, I guarantee if they fall out of a tree and break their arm, they're not going to do it again because they don't want to have another broken arm. It's the same as anything. You learn from your mistakes. And that's why I think I've been so successful. Like, that's so much fun and success. And that's why the people around me push me and, instilled on me that hey yeah you can do that why not and we still get a lot of people around who have barriers on and going don't do that you might get injured or you might fall over or you might do this so and i think why i got involved in sport was my pe teachers they were the ones who got me involved in as much sport as we could modified the pe class to make it inclusive yes i couldn't kick an afl football but there's a ways around it to be inclusive you don't just send them to the library and we're still hearing today of kids being sent to the library because they have a disability and they're not involved in sport even though they're an athlete and they train with me in my athletic squad and you're like you're an athlete yet you go to the library for a sport it's like it blows my mind that and they like teacher goes oh i don't know how to include them and you're like you don't know how to include a student it's about modifying all these activities for all your students and it's all abilities. Yes, you may get that kid who plays your least sport. You don't just tailor it for that one kid who's a freak show and all the other kids can't catch the ball. And it's about modifying it all. And like I was hearing a story of a new girl who's just joined my squad. She's 11. She's had to give up calisthenics because the calisthenics were putting her at the end of the line and not including her and not helping her be involved in the activity. The mum was paying $1,500 to have her involved in this activity that she, she liked. wasn't doing it. Wasn't doing it. Oh. And they just let her sit there, basically stand there at the end and didn't modify it. She's really flexible. She's an athlete now. She's young, but she's an athlete. Yet they just couldn't understand how to modify an activity to make it inclusive and it's not that hard wouldn't you wouldn't you wouldn't you just ask the athlete and this is my big thing how could incorporate them into decision making you know what works how can we make this work for you instead of ignoring it and making it a horrible situation work as a team well it seems that we're still getting these opportunities where people with disability aren't asked or included in decision makings and that's where it's so good about now where it's coming in opportunities it's nothing without us with us about us and you've got to include people with disability in the policy decision making and decisions if something affects someone include them and it's not just about people with disabilities it's about all the different demographics and minority groups and everything we put in these policies about minority groups and you're like well did you actually include people from that minority group in creating that policy or that workshop if you running a workshop for the minority group but it's not actually 
hitting the right target. <laughs> then you didn't actually hit the right target. So it's about including people and going, right, how are we going to do this? Yes, we can work around this way and actually getting involved in decision making. And there's some really big stats out there. We've got 20% of the population has a disability. 40% live below the poverty line. We've got almost an 80% unemployment rate in the people with disability. And it's like 80% of people with disability are unemployed. And you're like, how is this happening? And I think it's about 80% of people with, with disability don't meet the recommended physical activity per week. And that's only three hours of physical activity a week. And that's across the board of all ages. And it's about just getting out and getting involved in helping people be involved. And that's the best thing about it is how are we going to get people involved? It's not about, yeah, I've, I've been lucky that I've gone to high performance and being the high performance, but not everyone is going to play AFL who plays little odds kick. It's about getting involved and creating the life skills to be successful in life. It's about creating that goal setting, the successful in business, in whatever they go on to be later on. They may want to go to university. They may not. That's okay. It's about helping them to have the skills to be successful and, and have that go, oh, I've never thought about going to university. Oh, I can do that? Really? I can go to university? Okay, let's do that. And you're still getting it going, I can't possibly do that because I have my background or I come from poverty or I come from this background. And that's not an excuse now in this day and age not to achieve your success. Yeah, and I absolutely love that. And so let's talk about, you know, you do a lot of mentoring, you do a lot of public speaking is one of the things, and, and what I love about exactly what you just said there, which is that it's not just people with disabilities, that anybody can do anything, but if you keep limiting yourself, if you don't move your body, if you're not a lifelong learner, then you are going to restrict yourself. So a lot of the stuff, do you just talk and do you make, I suppose, because of what you've been able to achieve in a wheelchair, that you make people realize that you're able-bodied, you've got... You're not in a wheelchair and I've achieved 20 times more than you. You know, do you make people like realize far out? I could do so much more. Yeah. And I've got people who have, who are able-bodied people who have done so much more than me. And I'm like, Oh, you've done what you did this. Oh, cool. <laughs> I want to do it. Yeah. Like <laughs> I see some other people around the world. I'm like, that is so cool. I want to do that. And I want to do this adventure activity. I want to do that. And there's other people with disability around the world who are doing some crazy things. And you're like, that is really cool. And you want to push barriers of what's possible. And it's like going, right, let's see if we can do that. But it's about, yeah, not putting the barriers on yourself and going, right. Oh, I don't know if I can do that. I, I think that might be too hard or, or I don't have enough money. If you're saying those thoughts, then you've defeated. And that's the thing with sport. Like I remember going into London Paralympics. I think it was in the January that year, I had one of the best French, uh, the Japanese guy was out of my place. He was, he, he'd meddled to me in the Paralympics in the previously and we trained together every January and he told me in January he wasn't, he couldn't beat me. And I went, brilliant, you're telling me in January you don't know how to, you can't beat me? Looks like I've won every single race. I've got you, mate. <laughs> like, and that's the thing with sport, like you've got to have self-confidence and it's a difference between self-confidence and arrogance. You don't want to be have that full arrogance. You want to have internal self-confidence and go, right, I can do this. Yes, there's challenges. Yes, someone might be faster. Yes, someone might be stronger. But how am I going to overcome those? What am I going to do to help me to win? What are we going to do if he does this? What am I going to do in this situation? And I'll overcome those barriers. 
because if you truly believe it, then you can work out ways to be successful. Like there's been times when I've been injured, I've been sick and you just got to keep going and go, right. Always be smiling. I'm always on the start lines, happy, smiling, talking to the guys. And they always think I'm happy in portraying. They don't know that I may have had the biggest crash in training a couple of days out and I'm got a broken collarbone, but they, they're thinking that I'm successful and they can't beat me. Then the race is already won and done before that. And that's the thing you take into life is you've got to be successful. Yes, it's going to be challenged along the way, but if you continually work on those goals, you can be successful. But the people who don't achieve it are the ones who say, put those barriers around and going, Oh, I don't have a job. I don't have enough money. I don't have a passport or I've never been overseas. I don't speak French or I don't speak this or I don't know. I am in a wheelchair. I can't do that. And they're the ones who don't achieve that goal or the outcome and their, their situation never changes. And that's the thing we, we need to get around to everyone and going, you can only change your situation. It's your goal. It's not someone else's goal. And that's the thing where people have got to achieve their goals and you've got to get help. No one can achieve success alone. And that's the thing is I never won the Paralympics by myself. I had a big team around me who helped me and got me there and it was a big team effort and I was never going to achieve success alone, but I've got to get people to help me to achieve my goal. And that's the thing. Like I would never achieve the goals alone. So whatever your goal is, you've got to work out what you're going to do about it, but also who's going to help you. But also remember don't let them achieve your goal because it's not their goal. They can help you and it gives you the skills or this distance you may need, but also remember that you need to do achieve that goal. And if you want to do something, then you've got to find out who can help you and also what else you can do because it's a two way street because you've got to also help other people achieve their goal. And that's the best thing in life. And that's why I've now moved into more coaching side of things and mentoring and helping all people in life and going, right, how can I help you achieve success? Whatever that may be, if it's helping them to find their goals better or helping them study better or set better strategies or write better or whatever it may be. And how are we going to help you achieve your goals? Um, and that's where I'm now working towards. And I've stepped heavily now into coaching athletics and we've got some great kids coming through and great kids who never thought they could do sport or never thought they could do anything. And now they're, they're positive there. They want to be successful in life and they, they want to travel the world and they go, I can travel. I can do this in a wheelchair. I'm like, you can go overseas by yourself in a wheelchair. And they're like, I, I never thought I could or never thought I could do this. And, oh, can I go to university? What can I do? And you're like, you can be whatever you want to be and successful as you want. There's no barriers. The only barrier is yourself. And so I'm going to push you as hard as possible. And I expect perfections. Um, I don't want laziness. And as soon as people give up, then I expect better. Uh, that's why I'm heavily involved in the mentoring now and getting involved in people and, and people working in their business side of things going, right, this is what we're doing. This is what we want to do. How are we going to do that? And what's going to stop us from achieving that? And that's the thing is a lot of people can go, right, they've got this pipe dream, but they don't know what they're going to do, but they're not going to also, they don't take action and go, right, actually, yeah, I can do this. And it will lead to more opportunities. And 
taking this time now during this crazy period of time we've got now is could be really successful a lot of people and people who are successful in 12 months 18 months two years are the ones who use this next three months six months to their benefit and really be beneficial the ones who are in the same situation in two years time are the ones who sit on the couch and watch tv all day and and watch netflix they're the ones who just go oh i i can't do anything i'm what can i do and they're the ones who are not going to change their situations and everyone can change the situation it's just about taking that action mate rich i'm just sitting here and it all relates back to you motivated me and i couldn't agree more and i i spoke about this the other week that um, your mindset is up to you. You know, if you want to look at this as a negative outcome, then everything in your life is going to be negatives. All right. But if you focus on the positives, because everyone's got positives, then everything's going to be different. And it's as simple as that. All right. You can cry poor me or you can think, bang, what an opportunity this is to become something or to do something with your time. And mate, you have motivated. I love your energy. It is next level. So if people are listening and they're like, I'm jumping, you're jumping out of this. I like this is unbelievable. Where can we reach you, Rich? Yeah, all across social media. I post regularly on social media about a whole heap of range of things. And that's the good thing that my opportunity has is that I can be involved in so many different things. It's not just a wheelchair athlete. I'm involved in coaching, a lot of ambassador work now, but also involved with different disability charities, getting people involved in everything in life and being successful. But also I talk about disability and different varying topics that are coming up as well, and but also motivation and, and just random things. And uh, I'm getting involved in a few opportunities now, and I've got a few projects on the go at the moment that I'm really excited to get uh, worked on at the moment because this period of time is giving me the extra time that time I didn't grow. think I was going to have period of time because uh, with the reschedule of Tokyo, it's moved things back and it's given me the opportunity to work on my base fitness for the next six months, but also work on the, the weaknesses and the opportunities that I've gone, I'd like to do this and work on the goal setting, the strategies and the business side of things. And uh, yeah, I've been doing heavily involved in a lot of uh, corporate speaking lately and more so the making businesses more inclusive and how to be more inclusive for all people. Because if you've got a business and 20% of the population has a disability, yet you're not selling to 20% of the population, how much is that going to change your business around if you can change that demographic and in, in, do that, then also if you employ people and you don't not employing someone with disability, you're missing out on some great employees and great opportunities to expand your business for the great of your the long term benefit of your business. And that's where people have got to think of going right. It's not a token employment. It's not just I'm going to employ someone with disability and put them in the mail room or on reception. It's about long term career progression as well and you've got to have the same progressions as everyone else and we've seen now people are getting employed but it's about how do we change that now to get the long term how to beget people with disability as ceos and the next leaders around and we're not seeing that many people as ceos or on boards who have a disability and if you've got 10 people on your board we should have 20 percent of have disability and we're not seeing that and that's where we need to start changing and that's where I really want to help businesses going right. How do we include people with disability in all walks of your life and making your documents accessible? How do you make all your documents accessible and how are you going to make sure that people can see your documents and if they've got vision impairments and they're colorblind or whatever that may be. And 
you've got to be able to sell to the whole population. And that's where I'm moving towards. And I'm happy to help out anyone who wants to help out. So just reach out to me on social media and uh, email, website, everywhere is that. And I've got a few good things coming and uh, new products on the way and a few other opportunities to get involved. And anyone who wants help with goal setting and mentoring, then I'm always happy to help out and just reach out and we can set up a time. Rich, well, mate, if anyone's not listening to this and they're not motivated, then, mate, I don't know what we can do because that was brilliant. And what I will do in the show notes, guys, I'll have links to all your socials and, and just reach out. And um, if you are having any troubles, you want a little bit of help, then a little dose of Rich in your life, mate, you are a firecracker. That is unbelievable. So, mate, thank you so much for your time today and, and fitting me in your schedule. I know how busy you are, but um, there's a reason I want you on the show, mate. You are an inspiration. You are dominating and you would, this will benefit so many people so mate from the bottom of my heart thank you so much great man thank you very much and thanks for having me on and i look forward to hearing it what everyone is up to and achieving their goals so keep them sending them through and we'll see what you get up to